Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're tuned to the Steve Donahue Show on CPL Radio, your one-stop daily source for Steve's take on the world of books. And now your host, the book critic who literally reads everything, Steve Donahue. Greetings, fellow patrons of the Cedarburg Public Library, and welcome back to the Steve Donahue Show, where we talk about bookish news, views, and reviews with partisan fervor. That bookish news most often takes the form of some author misbehaving or some book rocketing to renown based on its author's Twitter opinions. Although I myself am a full-time book critic, I readily admit that my grubby little profession is hardly ever itself newsworthy, uh, and that's probably a good thing. We book reviewers tend to mind our own business and go about our work with a fairly low profile. We have books in hand. Those books need reviewing and assessing at one length or another, for one venue or another, and that kind of daily work tends to draw in the focus and dampen the craving for a public dust-up. I know some book reviewers who think Barack Obama is still president. I envy them their peace of mind. But every so often, book reviewing itself is the subject of one of those public fluffles. And so it happened just recently on Twitter, when book critic John Self published a deceptively simple question. Here's what he asked. When a book review is just descriptive, with no praise or criticisms, does it mean the reviewer didn't like the book, but didn't just like to say so? The responses were all over the spectrum, from people saying it was all the fault of the assigning editors who dictate the tone and direction of reviews, to some reviewers saying they've never in all their born days had so much as a faint suggestion of such control from an editor. One person responded with a worldly-wise cynicism, suggesting that if the critic moves in the same social circles as the author or publisher, they might be soft-pedaling their responses to a book in order to keep doors open for future opportunities. Which would make a kind of Machiavellian sense if you could force yourself to imagine writers having social circles in the first place, I guess. <laughs> uh, by far the majority of responses to John Self 
hit the same note. That an all-summary book review was probably a sign the reviewer hadn't actually read the book in question and was just cribbing from the publicity copy. Self's responses had some examples from disillusioned authors who felt certain, based on such reviews, that their critics had never actually read more than a few pages of their own book. This has been a cynical response to prolific book reviewers for centuries, so much so that Sidney Smith was willing to joke about it back in the days of King George, <laughs> quipping, quote, I never read a book before reviewing it. It prejudices a man so. <laughs> Some of this they-just-didn't-read-it response is doubtless fueled by bruised feelings. Either the authors about how nobody understands them, or else the general readers about how they themselves don't have time to read all the books on their list. And certainly some of it is true. A reviewer, ta a reviewer takes on many commissions, if he's lucky, <laughs> or she's lucky. Uh, the deadlines creep up in silence, under the cover of colicky babies, or needy students, or other real-life obligations, and then suddenly whammo! The review must be filed in ten hours, and there's no hope of reading the book in that time, let alone drafting a thoughtful assessment. So such reviewers take the easy way out. Lots of plot summary and a few safe, non-committal words like remarkable. Then they hit send, and in only two short years, they get paid. <laughs> and if that way works one week, well, it's all the more tempting to do that the next week. Some critics even get cutesy about it. A <laughs> hundred years ago, Lord Macaulay confronted with the task of reviewing three massive volumes of Lord Burley's memoirs, wrote this in his published piece for his readers. Quote, we cannot sum up the merits of the stupendous mass of paper which lies before us better than by saying that it consists of about 2,000 closely printed pages, that it occupies 1,500 inches cubic measure, and that it weighs 60 pounds. <laughs> of course, Macaulay meant such cubic measurements to be the ultimate knowing put-down of the memoir. And in this, as in so many other of his critical assessments, he was quite wrong. Lord Burley's memoirs are very enjoyable once you get used to his ponderous diction. And they have a distinct glint in their eye. Try reading them in your mind with the voice of Stephen Fry. See if you don't see what I mean. <laughs> uh, but the image carries over into Self's Twitter responses, with one person after another imagining book reviewers simply jobbing ad copy for their finished work. One of those responders had already addressed this question in the pages of, fittingly enough, The Critic magazine. Months ago, Alexander Larman wrote this, and here's the quote. Uh, broadly speaking, then, there are two main aims of a non-fiction review in the general press. The first is to allow a significant literary figure to write a lengthy piece displaying their erudition, which permits sub-editors to come up with headlines along the lines of, quote, Julian Barnes on John Paul Sartre, or similar. The book itself is secondary, its coverage almost an irritation, and the other is nuts and bolts criticism and engaging with the author's intentions and aims where the fascinations of the subject are secondary to whether or not the writer has managed to make them accessible to a general audience. This may be less lofty, but is undeniably more use to the profession, and probably to the potential purchaser, too. To which I would add that there is no probably here. The latter approach, the genuine nuts and bolts book review, is unquestionably more useful to the potential purchaser, or to the potential borrower at the library, or just to generally to any potential reader. In the U.S., for instance, most people are working harder than ever just to break even, and they're loaded down with obligations, raising children, refraining from strangling the long-suffering spouse, holding down sometimes as many as three jobs, caring for elderly relatives, somehow staying fit or trying to, all the while dealing with a depression-level economic recession 
national chaos, and once in a century fires, storms, and heat waves that now happen once a year. Such people, practically everybody, have very little money to spend on superfluities like books and even less time to sit down and read them. For those people, genuine nuts and bolts book reviewing is more important than ever. It doesn't need to be purely utilitarian either, of course, nor should it be. Even a nuts and bolts book review is still a form of that can of art uh, that can in itself be under the author's name. And readers will be all the more grateful for a reviewer who not only tells them about the book, its strengths, its weaknesses, its oddities, its potential appeals, but also amuses them along the way. Of course, space will always be given to Larman's literary poobahs, to those New York Review of Books-style pieces where the point of the 3,000 words isn't really to have the writer assess the strengths and weaknesses of one particular book, as it is to read that author's discourse on the book's subject. And those pieces definitely have their value, particularly if you follow the poobah in question and couldn't care less about some fly-by-night 200-page novel or the latest study of the Battle of Waterloo. Because one of the awful truths lurking behind this whole question is the fact that a good solid 80% of the new books in any genre in any season are ephemeral in the extreme. Worth pointed assessment because somebody today might want to read them, but hardly worth the notice of Mount Olympus because nobody in a century is going to want to read them. And the case in point here would be poor old Lord Burley. <laughs> uh, and the books aren't the only thing that are so ephemeral. <laughs> and maybe that's a truth lurking behind this whole discussion too. Those poobah ruminations tend to get collected in anthologies with pretentious titles, after all. <laughs> Whereas your typical nuts and bolts book review is here today and wrapping fish tomorrow. And book reviewers know this, and it bugs them, even the ones who are destined for Mount Olympus themselves. Virginia Woolf herself wrote this many decades ago, but it could just as well serve as a response today if she could have bared Twitter. Here, I'll read it to you. When I read reviews, I crush the columns together to get at the one or two sentences. Is it a good book or bad? And then I discount those two sentences according to what I know about the book or about the reviewer. And when I write a review... I write every sentence as if it were going to be tried before three chief justices. I can't believe that I am crushed together and discounted. <laughs> Only diehards and specialists read Wolf's book reviews today, but oh my, are they good. <laughs> and that, fellow patrons, uh, brings us to the end of another episode of The Steve Donahue Show, and I offer you an enthusiastic, an enthusiastic Dominus Wobiscum <laughs> to go ye forth and read some original book review in your local or national paper today and spare thought for its author. <laughs> and in the meantime, I'll sign off for now and wish you all a good bookish day. The Steve Donahue Show is a production of CPL Radio, a service of the Cedarburg Public Library located in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. On a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.